Hello, everyone, and welcome to Friend Diagram. This is the podcast where two friends catch up and find common ground between their favorite media. I'm Remy. I'm Kat. And today we will be discussing the Apple original film, Fingernails, and the HBO Max original series, Starstruck. Warning, spoilers ahead. Hi, Hi Remy. How are you today? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm good. It's just been a pretty chill Sunday. Yeah, I'm having a really nice, you know, me time Sunday. Yeah. Doing errands, but also just hanging out, tying up some loose threads, trying to work on some writing again, which you've been really good about reminding me to do, which has been very helpful. I appreciate it very much. (laughs) And I had a good time writing yesterday because while I was doing it, I was like, yeah, this feels really good. I like it when this actually feels good to be actively working on it. So that's always nice. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't really get up to too much this weekend. We played some Alien Isolation, which was great. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been really enjoying that. And then we watched X last night, which was oh, yeah. a lot of fun. I really enjoyed Love that, that movie. So fun. Yeah. Mia Goth. Mia Goth. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the reason I wanted to watch it was because we had tangentially talked about Jenna Ortega. And oh, I yeah. realized. You and me. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I realized that I hadn't really seen her in anything other than Wednesday. And she has such a muted like performance in Wednesday. It's like very like emotionally flat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I'm really curious to see what, what she like normally acts like in yeah. different roles. So I really enjoyed her in X as well. She was really good in that. Um, yeah. I remember being pissed off at her character, but I think um, she was really good. Yeah. <laughs> in, in what part? I'm trying to remember. I think. I don't know. Anytime she was adversarial towards Mia Goth, I was like, get her out of here. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we had a lot of fun with that. You should have come with me last night to the early access screening of Saltburn. Yeah. I am still so curious what that's even about. Yeah. Because the trailer does not give too much away, I feel like. Just kind of sets the vibe. It's so annoying when trailers give you the entire, like, three-act structure Mm -hmm. and tell you everything that's going to happen. That annoys me. Yeah. So I love it when they're more mysterious and just give you the tone. Yes. And the general subject. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It was a blast, actually. Yeah? Yeah. I considered speaking on it for my topic this week, but I think I want to see it another time. Mm Mm-hmm. But I could definitely speak on the experience being very fun. (laughs) I would say this is, I mean, Saltburn is Emerald Fennell's second film. And her first film was Promising Young Woman, which was um, divisive. Mm -hmm. And Saltburn is also proving to be divisive with, you know, festival crowds and early screenings and all of that. So I think that's just sort of a label she has as a filmmaker so far is as a divisive filmmaker, kind of a provocateur. Mm -hmm. And I think as long as you go into it, having the mindset that this is going to be a fun ride, Uh (laughs) then that's all you need. 
Um, we, when I was entering the AMC, there was a long line of people waiting to have their ticket scanned mm-hmm. to get into the theater. And the person scanning the, you know, the QR codes would tell you your movie and the um, theater number you're going to. Mm-hmm. And like 10 of us in a row were all going to Saltburn, <laughs> probably because it was, <laughs> the time had already started, like the previews were rolling. And mm-hmm. so we were all arriving. And he was like very excited for us to all be going to Saltburn. Oh, and fun. he scanned my ticket and he's like, are you, go- are you ready to go see Barry Keown do his thing? And I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> that guy so, should listen to our pod. He should. I was like, how does he know? You need to start taking like friend diagram stickers with you to the theater and like giving them to the staff and be like, listen to our pod. I should do that. I should. Every time someone correctly reads what I'm there for, mm-hmm. I should give them a sticker. Cause yeah. I could definitely. I was like really pleased he said Barry and not Jacob Elordi because mm-hmm. I'm not there for Jacob Elordi. Yeah. <laughs> Even though he's great and he's been in every movie, I feel like he's everywhere I turn now. Probably mm-hmm. just because I just saw Priscilla and obviously he's quite prominent in that yeah. as Elvis. <laughs> yes. Makes sense. But um, yeah, he's doing a great job and I... I had such a good time. I think it's a perfect two-drink movie where it just hits even better if you've had two drinks yeah. before you see it. And definitely see it with a bunch of people. There was so much collective collective laughing, collective gasping. I love and that. And collective squirming in my showing. <laughs> Gross. It was great. Yeah, there's one scene where everyone was like, no, please, no, please don't do what I think you're about to do. Oh, no. <laughs> and then it happens, and everyone was like, no. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Well, if you well, want to go see it again, I'm down. Oh, I totally would. Yeah, I'll come into the city and see that. Yeah. Probably don't see it with your parents if you have the option. <laughs> I would say this is not a movie to see <laughs> with your parents. This is a movie to see with your friends after two drinks. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I yeah. loved when you texted me and said, um, well, I got here 30 minutes early, so obviously I have to go get a margarita. I was like, I know. You've got to. I also, mean, how else do you kill usually, before salt burn? <laughs> also, usually you're running way late for me. So I was like, yes, reward this behavior. Yeah, it was um, one of those situations where I got to the subway station mm-hmm. and I could hear the announcement on my train uh, announcing the next stop. And so I like scampered down the stairs and ran across the platform and skidded into the car and then the door shut. And uh, so I had accounted for like waiting for the train for 12 to 15 minutes. And that's yeah. why I was so early because <laughs> I just like ran straight on. Well, it, everything was in your favor then. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you had so much fun at that. I've been curious about it, but a little hesitant until I hear more. Oh, yeah. It's a blast. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's not going to change your life, but it's going to be a really fun time. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Mm -hmm. Well, if we want to jump in for the day, I've got another film that won't change your life, but is a very enjoyable ride. Um, Tell me about it. I watched the film Fingernails. It just started streaming on Apple TV. And... 
It's been, it's had a limited run in theaters for the last couple of weeks, which have provided pretty mixed reviews. It has a little over 60% on Rotten Tomatoes right now for critics and 55% for audience, which I was kind of surprised by. And I think that one of the main qualms that people have with this movie is that it's not necessarily the most original concept hmm. um, of like technology versus human experience and human oh, life. I but see. Mm-hmm. I think that it had a lot of really interesting ideas that I enjoyed exploring in the film. And I will definitely tell everyone a little bit about, I don't know, the thoughts I was thinking. Mm-hmm. But just to give you a basic rundown, it was directed by Christos Niku. Um, it stars Jesse Buckley, Riz Ahmed, and Jeremy Allen White, one of my That's a faves. killer cast. I know. And they're all amazing. They're one all thing, so good. Yeah. One thing that has been really consistent with the critic reviews is that all of the acting was fantastic. Oh, I absolutely believe that. Those are all phenomenal actors. Yeah. And as a brief rundown of the plot, there is a new technology within like the last five years that allows individuals in relationships to test to see if they are in love with one another or if they're like meant to be. And to do this test, you have to get one of your fingernails pulled out. And Really? Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot of like really uncomfortable fingernails. So you really need to want to yes. know. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And um you get your fingernail pulled out and it goes on like a little petri dish and goes into this thing that looks like a kind of an easy bake oven but big. <laughs> and <laughs> it like <laughs> it's like a nano drop. <laughs> it starts smoking. <laughs> it's not meant to be funny, I don't think, but for me it is. <laughs> No, I think it's funny. And then it like has this panel up above the Easy Bake Oven thing um, that tells you your results. And your results are a percentage. And the percentage mm-hmm. is either 0, 50%, or 100%, which oh. is uh, an interesting, Very um, interesting percentage range. Yeah, yeah um, it didn't have to be percentages if yeah. there's only three outcomes. Yeah. So 100% means that both people are in love and compatible. 50% means only one person is in love in the relationship. Mm. And then 0% is neither people are compatible. And I think it's a really interesting choice. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But we're following, mostly we're following the journey of Anna with this test. And so she is with her long-term boyfriend, Ryan, who's played by Jeremy Allen White. And they took the test three years ago and had 100% compatibility. Mm -hmm. Um, And since that time, they've kind of shifted into a familiarity and a rhythm that makes Anna a little bit discontent. So she is feeling like, oh, is something missing here? Mm -hmm. And so she has been thinking about this and it doesn't seem to be bothering Jeremy Allen White's character, Ryan. And so she secretly applies for a position to work at the testing facility and does not tell Jeremy Allen White about this like application. Mm -hmm. She doesn't want him to think like, oh, I think something's wrong with our relationship. 
even though she clearly does think that. Okay. And she gets the job and she starts working with Riz Ahmed's character, Amir. And they basically work with couples through these exercises to try to bring them closer before they take the test to increase their chances of getting a 100% result. And Hmm. through this, it kind of brings them closer, Anna and Amir. And Anna thinks that she might have feelings for Amir. And she's like questioning whether or not like you can love more than one person. If I got a 100% positive with my boyfriend, Ryan, why do I feel these feelings for Amir? And so it's kind of exploring that love triangle that's been done a million times in a new and interesting way. And I think that this movie is like really slow and contemplative and it just like gives you a lot of time to think about what I think that there's a lot of subtext, a lot of things that aren't being said out loud that you kind of have to interpret. And I think that it gives the audience time to really chew on that if you're willing to chew on that and like Mm -hmm. play with that idea. And so I really enjoyed my experience. And I thought that there were a lot of really interesting implications that come from this love test premise. And I think that something that's really important here is that we're never, we as the audience are never told the science behind this machine and why (laughs) fingernails. And Mm -hmm. it's like giving very like pop sci vibes. And I think that this plays into some takes on um, corporations using your feelings and your fear to kind of act in a predatory way towards individuals. So Hmm. because we don't know how this machine works, we don't actually know all of the variables that it's weighing to determine whether or not someone's compatible. And so... We can imagine this world where people are scared to be with the wrong person, that they would take this kind of test without asking too many questions. They just want an answer and they want to mm-hmm. say like, oh, we're 100% meant to be together. So like, we're not going to question it. This is great news. This is such a vulnerable aspect of our lives. And people are so averse to heartbreak that they would rather take a test like this and be told yes or no before they have to go through the real pain. Well, it also sounds like people are so desperate to avoid doing the analysis themselves and yeah, having to use, having to like dig in and decide for themselves because you, there's certainly a chance you won't avoid heartbreak. Yes. And so people will pull out their own fingernail for basically like an easy bake slot machine Uh to say whether or not their relationship is viable over just like deciding for themselves. Yes. And having the confidence in your own assessment. Yes. Before, you know, pulling out your fingernails. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that there's kind of a potential chain reaction that can happen to a relationship in the case of positive or in the case of negative. So mm-hmm. if positive, um, first and foremost, couples feel relief and they feel like safety in their relationship. They feel like, yes, this is confirmed. I know that I'm supposed to be with this person. But then you can get into this sense of complacency, which 
stunts any kind of growth. Like, mm-hmm. if you take this test, so, I mean, if you've been with a person for a long period of time, even just five years, right? You're going to change over the course of those five years and you have to be able to grow together in your relationship. But if you've been told like you're compatible, you're meant to be together. I think it stunts all of that growth that should be happening and prevents you from seeking that out. And we see that a lot with Jeremy Allen White's character and Jesse Buckley's character Hmm. where they she's lying to him. She's like not talking about problems that might be in their relationship. And he's also not wanting to like go do the exercises that she had suggested they do all of like the couples counseling type things. Cause he's like, why do we need it? We took the test. We're compatible. Mm-hmm. And then they're not engaging with each other about that. And then it also spins off to create a stigma. So if you have conflict in a relationship that has a positive result, then you feel like you have to hide that with your friends and family. You can't talk about it because you're meant to be compatible. So it mm-hmm. teaches you that there's something wrong with you, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that all of these thoughts are really interesting to explore. Yeah. I really liked all of them. Um, and I also really liked the option of if it's negative because when people it's like really sad because these people go through all of this these like exercises to bring them closer together and they'll be like i feel really confident like i feel like we're really strong and then they do the test and it's a negative result and it's basically like a immediate no and they're saying like nope we're not compatible we can't try to work through this we can't try to be together and it doesn't matter if they have a kid together it doesn't matter if they've like gone through all of these life steps, it seems like all of these people are just immediately breaking up or getting a divorce. And that's really sad. But if you're taking the stance that I am, that the test doesn't work, and I think that's the stance you're supposed to be taking, Mm -hmm. um, is that like, maybe the test works, but it's on such a level that you could not draw real meaning from your, from that into your relationship. And I think that it's important to think about because they talk about how often people get a negative result and it's really, really high. But how Mm -hmm. does that benefit the corporation? If you get a 0%, you're more likely to come back and try it again and keep spending your money and keep spending Uh your money. And Amir's character says that he's done it multiple times. He like has talked about how he just could not get a positive result with anybody. Mm -hmm. And I think that This is how the corporation is preying on people's fear of loneliness and their desperation. And it's just trying to keep pulling them back in through this cycle until they get a positive result, which Mm -hmm. is really sad. And yeah, I'm filling in a lot of blanks here. If you've seen the movie, like, I think I'm extrapolating a little bit, but this is how I interpreted it. And I Mm -hmm. really enjoyed that interpretation. I liked thinking through all of that and I found it really stimulating. Um, some other things that I liked about this film, um, is that there's a little bit of Luke Wilson in the film. Oh, Love yeah. Luke Wilson. Big fan. I remember seeing him in the trailer. <laughs> yes. Um, he, he's not a large role in it, but I'm just happy and thankful to see Luke Wilson on the scene playing some interesting parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I especially liked him in this. And I, thought that all of the acting was incredible. I've already touched on that, but 
They all knocked it out of the park, and especially Jessie Buckley is absolutely unhinged in this film. Like, she is <laughs> just, I don't know. It's hard to watch, and I think that her lack of likability is something that kind of drives audience members away a little bit because you're like, mm-hmm. why are you acting in, like, this totally self-destructive manner? Why can't you be reasonable? So you're um, not exactly on her side the whole I, time, even though she's the main character? She is the main character, for sure. But I would say that it's hard to watch anyone, like, lie to their long-term partner about a job interview, like, so... Mm-hmm. And it's like a a deep lie. It's like a multiple levels lie, like, mm-hmm. it lasts for a long time, and then eventually she confesses, but it's like, I think it... She falls prey to the trap of, like, this could be solved with one conversation, but you're insisting on taking the long way around and it's like breaking everything and Mm -hmm. only people are going to get hurt. Like so many people are going to get hurt because of your actions. Mm -hmm. And so she's just really hard to like because she just isn't doing decision making in a way that I think is productive. (laughs) Well, that's also very consistent with my perception of her as an actor Mm -hmm. as well, because I think she is an exceptional actor, Mm -hmm. but she never shies away from taking roles that are easily unlikable characters. Like she plays a lot of thorny, unsympathetic or like potentially unlikable to some audience members characters so frequently like in the majority of things I've seen her in she's Mm. been a character that you're not exactly meant to like and I think that's one of the reason why her performances are so strong because she leans into that unlikability and that complicated portrayal of how everyone is you know like no one's completely likable and she absolutely embraces that and the choices she makes she's so good i mean it felt really realistic like her Mm -hmm. like it wasn't necessarily that you don't like her as a whole but you don't like what she's doing while you're watching it you're saying like this is a person i can relate to and i can see myself in their shoes but then Mm -hmm. she's doing things that you're like oh boy i really wish you wouldn't i really wish you would just chill that's a lot a lot of those feelings I agree with when I was watching her performance in The Lost Daughter. Have you seen that? I haven't. It's really good. It's got Olivia Coleman and Jesse Buckley mm-hmm. and Dakota Johnson in it. It's really good. It's from, I want to say 2022 or 2021. It's good stuff. But Jesse Buckley's character, I, I feel really sympathetic to why she feels the way she does, but she still makes a lot of decisions that are hard to, um, you know, back her up on. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And her ending, the ending of this film, I thought was really good, but it's also just like unhinged. It's like, why would you decide to do this thing? Ooh, um, fun. So I really liked it. And mm-hmm. I thought she did just such a good job. I especially liked Amir. Like, his, I feel like it's unfair because Jeremy Allen White's character doesn't get a lot of screen time because he's meant to be like this person that she doesn't really have chemistry with. And it's like uh-huh. an old relationship. And so you don't get to see very much of them like 
growing to love each other. There's not like flashbacks or anything, which I think could have benefited the film. Um, hmm. But I think that Amir and Jesse Buckley, or I mean, uh, Jesse Buckley's character, Anna, uh, have really good chemistry and they're both putting in the work to make it feel like a real relationship, which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that it's a solid film. It kind of reminds me a little bit of um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which I think oh, okay. executed a little bit better. But um, yeah, I mean, definitely solid. Definitely gave me a lot to think about. And it wasn't like a level of intensity that I find really unbearable in a film, mm-hmm, if that mm-hmm, makes sense. Mm-hmm. It was like just slow and contemplative, but not a lot of like screaming fights or anything like yeah. that. Like it was just <laughs> letting the audience think about things in a really relaxed fashion, which I mm-hmm. I enjoyed. But Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, it was cool. Have you seen I'm Thinking of Ending Things? I haven't. I saw that the other day. Who's in that? Why would I have been Jesse searching? Jesse Buckley. Them? Oh, okay. That's why. <laughs> yeah. And Jesse Plemons. <laughs> oh, really? Um, but I was reminded of it because you brought up Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. And mm. um, I actually, maybe I should double check this because I'm thinking of ending things. I thought Charlie Kaufman wrote that screenplay, mm. but I guess I should double check. Oh, it's directed by Charlie Kaufman and screenplay by Charlie Kaufman. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So I, that was a correct association. Good. Gotcha. <laughs> that is definitely like a, the a way more uncomfortable version of Jesse Buckley questioning being in a relationship. Uh, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think she works well in that type of psychological questioning screenplay because mm-hmm. like charlie kaufman that's like his whole deal is making i don't know psychologically complicated and form challenging screenplays mm-hmm. you know like he did adaptation that nick cage film, oh yeah mm-hmm. uh, spike jones and just a bunch of like really interesting portrayals of human neuroses <laughs> and- yeah and the depths of the human psyche on screen. So I I wonder if that would be worth checking out for you. Yeah, I definitely want to see more of Jessie Buckley's work. I really liked mm-hmm. her in this. And yeah, excited to see what she does next. Her favorite performance. Her favorite performance. <laughs> my you. favorite performance. Uh, hers. <laughs> recently was in women talking have you seen that no i haven't seen any of these oh dude it's so good it's a 2022 film by sarah Pauly, mm-hmm. and i just watched it a few months ago actually i didn't catch it when it came out mm-hmm. but it was nominated for best picture and but was like one of the more quieter mm-hmm. you know nominations for that group of films mm-hmm. But I watched it, I believe, on Amazon Prime, and I was blown away by it because I understood the conceit of it is that there's a group of women in a very strict 
very isolated Mennonite community. Mm-hmm. And there have been a series of sexual assaults in the community. And they are discussing amongst themselves what to do about it. And the general decisions are like, we stay and try to deal with it. We leave or we stay and do nothing. Mm -hmm. And the entire, where most of the movie is rhetorical arguments for each of those three options Mm -hmm. and people weighing in on what should be done and how and why. And it's got a ton of insanely good performances like Claire Foy Mm -hmm. and Rudy Mara and Jesse Buckley are the ones that spring to mind, but particularly Jesse Buckley because she plays one of the least likable characters and Mm. is so good. She is incredible in it. Ben Wishaw is really good in it too, actually. So I thought it was going to be really dry Mm -hmm. because I knew it was so dialogue heavy because it's like literally a rhetorical exercise in a way, but it was way more exciting and dynamic and visceral than I was Mm. expecting. And I think it was incredible. And I've been considering talking about it on the pod for a long time now, but yeah, definitely. If you're looking for Jesse Buckley performances, check out women talking. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, give it a watch. If this sounds up your alley, Jeremy Allen White, always up my alley. So <laughs> add it to the list, I mean. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and it's streaming. It's on Apple TV Plus right now. So I I would recommend taking a look at it, even if you've read some reviews that might make it seem like it's not your not your vibe. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in checking that out. My pick is the HBO Max original series Starstruck. This is a romantic comedy series that is created by, written by, and starring Rose Matafeo. And I believe she directs a number of the episodes as well. Wow. It's been running for three series, three series slash seasons now on HBO Max. And the third season just wrapped. And I believe that is going to be the final season, mm-hmm. I think, just based on how all of the character arcs wrapped up. Mm-hmm. So I don't expect there to be any more seasons, but I've been waiting to talk about this because I knew there was more forthcoming and wanted to be able to talk about as much of it in a holistic sense as possible. Mm-hmm. But I started watching it when it first came out in 2021, and these are really nice short episodes, pretty short seasons. I think each season is only six or eight episodes, and the episodes run around half an hour, Mm -hmm. so it's a really quick, fast watch. And the series is centered on Rose Matafeo's character, Jessie. And she is a New Zealander, as both you and I know, Rose Matafeo is from New Zealand, because mm-hmm. um, we have loved watching her on Taskmaster. Yes. And um, that's one of the reasons I started watching Taskmaster, actually, is because I saw Rose Matafeo was in it. And that's why I started watching 
her series, Series 9, was mm-hmm. the first one I ever watched, I believe, because I was like, oh, Rosemary Feo from Starstruck. <laughs> I'll check this one out. And yeah, it is, it's just like a wonderful, wonderfully watchable show. You watch Jessie. She's a New Zealander who's living in London, and she lives with her best friend, Kate, who's played by Emma City. And the premise of the show kicks off in the first episode that takes place on New Year's Eve, where Jesse meets this man, Tom, in a bar, and they end up sleeping together. And the next morning, she realizes that he's a famous movie star. <laughs> and it sort of um, unfolds from there where you're watching Jesse and Tom run into each other and have chance encounters or intentional encounters throughout the time span of a year. So they meet on New Year's Eve. The next episode, I believe, is called Spring, and there's summer, autumn, winter, and I think a couple holidays in there. And you watch these two people that have really great, amazing chemistry sort of um, ping pong around based on the circumstances of their lives. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is having to do with bad timing or miscommunications or circumstances that are both inside and outside of their control. (laughs) So you get a huge variety of um, different stressors on their burgeoning relationship. And I particularly like this show, not just because it is very watchable and easy to get through and just have a thing that is, it's not terribly heavy, but it is easy to get emotionally invested in. Mm -hmm. And I think that is because it does a lot of the stuff that rom-coms typically, in my assessment, don't do well. I usually steer away from that genre, but this is an example of a rom-com that I think does a lot of the thing. It executes the genre really well in a way that I find lacking in a lot of other rom-com material, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So, for example, um, I mean, that... The calm part, the comedy is actually really good. <laughs> um, Rose Matafeo, she's a stand-up comedian. And so obviously she has a huge hand in writing these episodes. And I think they're definitely funny, especially from the point of view of millennial women, which <laughs> both you and I are. Yes. <laughs> so it's definitely aimed right at us as a demographic, I mm-hmm. believe. But it also, it does a lot of great plotting in terms of never the right time plot lines Mm -hmm. where I really like those kind of plot lines because it's, it's more fun to be aspirational and root for these people to be together Mm -hmm. instead of it being too easy and they like get together right away. And then it's easy streets from there. And that's not interesting at all. (laughs) (laughs) you want to see like things where like they're so close and then something goes wrong and Mm -hmm. then everything's ruined and then so we have to try again (laughs) next season Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> I love that. I think that's great. And it has really great supporting characters. I mentioned Kate, who is her best friend and flatmate. Mm-hmm. I have watched this a couple of times now. And now with like each rewatch, I appreciate the character of Kate more and more. I think Emma City is extremely funny and her character is incredible and I don't know how to encapsulate why I think she's so funny but um her performance is just amazing and Kate is really endearing and strange but also calls Jessie out on her shit a lot Mm -hmm. which I also really like I mean that's the perfect best friend counterpoint that you can have in a rom-com where they're actually telling the main character hey like you're fucking this up because of this flaw that you have (laughs) that I can always see and so Mm -hmm. it's my job to tell you which I love Uh, but she does it in a really funny and just strange way another thing that I like about how the show executes the genre is that Jesse as a main character is a still only partially formed adult in that she is still kind of messy and doesn't have her shit together mm-hmm. but not in a tropey kind of way where you don't really believe that this person cannot function in this way mm-hmm. like she's clearly functioning in her life she just doesn't have a life that is fulfilling in the way that she wants it to be and you see how the choices that she's made and the character traits that she has um kind of can directly contributes to that messiness Mm -hmm. which is just to say that like she's a believable representation of a messy character that doesn't have it all together but despite that she has really great chemistry with the character of tom And I think the character of Tom, Tom Kapoor, he is another example of a good execution of the rom-com genre because you actually get a full sense of who he is over the course of the series in that you get insight into his family life and his work life and his relationship with his agent and how he's dissatisfied with a lot of the acting jobs that he's getting because he wants to be taken more seriously but everyone just wants him to do action movies and you know like he worries about whether he's doing good art or good craft and all Mm -hmm. of that so you actually get like a full vision into his insecurities from work and family life and how that plays out in his decisions and his romantic life And so you get like an actual full sense of him as a person and a character rather than in some like rom-coms where the, the person that you're rooting for the main character to be with is just kind of an idea (laughs) of a character, Mm -hmm. but you don't know anything else about them other than when they're interfacing with the main character. And with Tom Kapoor, we actually, you know, see scenes that are wholly his own. We watch Mm -hmm. him go home to his family or go have lunch with his agent or him having a bad day on set or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so I like that they actually treat him as another complete character. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why when you're watching 
these different plot lines unfold, you understand why everyone is acting in the way that they are and like why they might be a little more volatile. And that leads to an argument that leads to this terrible misunderstanding or um, whatever um, main blow up is happening in that episode. And that allows you to have understanding and empathy for both of the characters involved. And so you're always still rooting for them and still understanding why (laughs) sometimes they might have to take time apart and things of that nature. So you're never like mad at anyone, but sometimes you're like, man, I just wish, I wish this hadn't happened this way. (laughs) I wish I could mediate this conflict. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just has like a great balance of really funny side characters Mm -hmm. that are unconventional, but believable as real people, but they're also just complete weirdos. Mm -hmm. And uh, the series is richer for that and more funny. And it's just a, a really, really enjoyable show. And I absolutely wholeheartedly recommend it to anyone, um, this last time I watched it, when the third season came out, I rewatched it from the beginning with Will because he had never seen it before, mm-hmm. and he uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay. And so, yeah, it's a wonderful watch, and I'm really excited to see what Rose Matafeo does next. Yeah. Ooh, I'm excited. I need to put this on my list. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's definitely... A nice palate cleanser for a lot of like, the horror and it's a nice I've been watching light, recently. <laughs> light fun time, but with like real emotional stakes. Yeah. But nothing too tragic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going into comfort media mode, so I think mm-hmm. this could be good for that too. Yeah. I told you that I'm rereading Ninth House again. So Oh yeah, you did tell me that. That's why we were talking about Jenna this, Ortega. Because yes. we were talking about who we think will be cast. Yeah. In the series adaptation. I was like, well obviously Jenna Ortega's on the list. Yeah. Yeah, if they can get her. Mm-hmm. She um, I'm sure she's very busy. Yes. Um but yeah, that's always my like red flag. <laughs> my red oh, flag no. behavior is Yeah. Rereading my post. It's so good though. <laughs> but yeah, I, w- I want to watch this very, very soon. Oh yeah. And it's so quick too. You mm-hmm. just fly right through it. You know what I want to watch again? Hmm. Fleabag. You know, I just rewatched that <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Oh, funny. Yeah, I've um, been thinking about it recently. Yeah, man, it's so good. Ooh, when I was at Saltburn last night, I saw the theatrical trailer for All, Us, All of Us Strangers, mm-hmm. which is a film I've been looking forward to. That should be coming out in December. And Andrew Scott and Paul Meskel are mm-hmm. both in that. And mm-hmm. I cannot wait. The theatrical trailer was so good. Yeah. Ooh, I need to watch that trailer. What was that mm-hmm. called again? All of Us Strangers? Mm-hmm. Also, you should watch the trailer for Eileen while you're at it. <laughs> That's another December release I'm looking forward to. Remy's Radar, Remy's Radar. Remy's Radar. Boop, 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 boop. What did you say that was called? Eileen. Eileen. Mm-hmm. My working memory is poor today. It's got um, Anne Hathaway, Thomas and Mackenzie, and Shea Wiggum. That is a lineup. Mm-hmm. 
sorry, I totally derailed your your conversation about Starstruck, but No, that was that was the concluding okay. remarks. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that sounds so good. She's awesome. Um friend diagram time. Friend diagram. Let's make the friend diagram. Yeah. What do they have in common? What do they have in common? Well, well do you want to start? No, you you start. I feel like I always start. I feel like you always like open the floor to me and then I'm like, well, here's my best one. Yeah. Um, I always like to start with the more, the larger ones, mm-hmm. the softball ones. So obviously these are both heavily dealing with love and romance mm-hmm. in the question of what makes people compatible. Yeah. Um, and there's good chemistry between your main characters. Mm-hmm, definitely sure. good chemistry. I mean, also, one thing I will add is just because Jeremy Ellen White's character is intentionally not having good chemistry with Jesse Buckley's character, he's still, like, massively killing it. Like, he's so good. (laughs) There's this part where he's, like, crying about a documentary, and it had me cackling, and I love him. He's Mm -hmm. a joy. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Actually, speaking of that, there are other love interests in Starstruck besides Tom Kapoor, and they are also really good options. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Well, Um, I will say there's one really good one. There's other ones mm -hmm. that annoy me that are like clearly mistakes from the past that Uh come back to haunt Jesse, Uh but there's future options that are great. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Is it your turn? I think it's your turn. Oh, it is my turn. Um, Imperfect main characters Mm -hmm. that make decisions you don't agree with, but you still understand why they're making them. Yeah. Yeah. And in that same vein, I wrote self-sabotage. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. That is a huge part of Starstruck is self-sabotage. Yeah. 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 But like you're still rooting for them or at Mm -hmm. least... That's my experience with Starstruck is like, you see the self-sabotage, but you still want them to pull through. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, for sure, you said it already, but Jessie Buckley, like you can understand why she's doing what she's doing, but you're like, I just wish you, I wish you wouldn't do it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And I think that it's while Fingernails isn't a romantic com- or like it's not a rom-com in and of itself, but there is some nice moments of levity that largely come from the supporting characters. So there are like a lot of small supporting actors that are mostly mm-hmm. the couples that they're interacting with and trying to help. And the they're always very funny. There were multiple moments where I laughed in Fingernails, and that was all due to the supporting characters and how like quirky and weird they were being, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. like their vulnerability was very sweet in those moments yeah. as well. So okay. yeah, I think that's... like a good cast of supporting characters is nice. 100%. That's an overlap with mm-hmm. Starstruck where you're like, these people are so weird on the side, but <laughs> yeah. I love seeing um, like the chaos that they sew into the tapestry of this show. Yeah. Uh, they're excellent. Mm-hmm. Very funny. Yeah. Um, but that's, I think that's my last one that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say fingernails is meant to be present day or near future? Do you get a yeah. sense of that? I think it's near future. Like near future. it could okay. be invented today and then that would be five years from that kind of, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, just curious. Where, like, it's been out long enough that most of the people you know that are in relationships will have gotten the test. Because it's, like, mainstream like that, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, like, you'll meet new people and you'll be like, oh, how'd you meet? Did you get tested? Like, and that's, like, a normal conversation. Mm. Cool. Yeah, I think those are solid overlaps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they were two good picks. Mm -hmm. I'd love to know what you think about fingernails if you end up watching it. Yeah, I'm sure I will at some point. Yeah. And I obviously would love to know. If you check out Starstruck. Oh, you'll be hearing from me. (laughs) I hope so. I don't like to keep my thoughts to myself. (laughs) I'll be like, Rose, why are you doing this? Rose, stop. Thanks for joining us this week on Friend Diagram. Thank you to Tyler Seek for the creation of our intro and outro music. Did you take any of our recommendations? Have any thoughts on the show? Let us know at frienddiagrampod at gmail.com and we might read your email on a future episode. If you can, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your podcast app of choice. And we'll see you back here, same place, next week. Bye for now.